You're listening to Star Wars Beyond the Films, the official expanded universe podcast of StarWarsReport.com. There is a great disturbance in the Force. That's right, Whistler. Welcome to episode 53 of Star Wars Beyond the Films, your Star Wars discussion podcast. We broadcast on Middle Earth Network Radio as well as on the Star Wars Report website. Our episodes are also available on our own Facebook page at SW Beyond Films. But enough about how you got here. Let's get this show started. I'm one of your hosts, the defender of the EU, Mark Herleman. And with me, like always, like a bad case of the Ragghoul plague, Mr. Nathan P. Butler! Hello, everyone. Hello. Don't break out the vaccine yet. I'm still sticking around. He hasn't quite turned. Here at Star Wars Beyond the Films, we ask the tough questions. Questions that have bothered you for a long time, or simple ones that have perplexed you off and on. You ponder about Star Wars, and so do we. This episode, we're actually going to take a look at ourselves. A getting to know us kind of episode. You remember last year? Well, it's something similar to that. We got a few questions here. And with that, Nathan, let's get this show started. What do you say? So with that, consider this your spoiler warning, because here we go. And our first question is, what video game systems have you owned, and what franchise are your favorites? Well, let's see. Uh, the fast rundown for me, uh, in no, I guess, quasi-chronological order so I can remember them all. Um, let's see. The original Nintendo Entertainment System, Super Nintendo, uh, Nintendo 64, GameCube, Wii. I'm not an owner of a Wii U yet. I'm kind of interested, but not enough to actually buy one yet. Also owned a Sega Genesis 1 with a Sega CD 2 version 2, the one that attaches to the side. Um, at one point, I briefly owned a PlayStation 2, uh, one that I bought used from a friend of mine just to play the 24 game and a little bit else. Um, this generation... Aside from the Wii, I've got the uh, Xbox 360, the Star Wars one with the R2-D2 system. Plus, uh, I'm on my third PlayStation 3. I actually had an Xbox, an original Xbox. I guess I should mention that, too. So, original Xbox, one died. got a replacement for it. Now, the Xbox 360. Uh, PlayStation 3, I'm on my third. I had one die get replaced under warranty, the one of the 80-gig fat ones. Now, that one died, and now I've got one of those new Super Slims with the sliding door on the top to load it into. Um... And then I guess on handhelds, jeez, uh, uh, Game Boy, Game Boy Color, uh, Game Boy Pocket, I guess, between those two. Uh, never owned a Game Boy Advance or a Nintendo DS of the original size, but I wound up with a DS when they became, like, pocket-sized. Never owned a DSi, owned a 3DS now. Never owned a uh, uh, an original, like, the wide PSP. But I've got the uh, PSP Go, and now I have the PlayStation Vita. And way back in the day, I also had a Sega Game Gear and the Sega Nomad that let you play Genesis games at the cost of sucking down the batteries dry like crazy. Um, favorite uh, franchises, I'm assuming non-Star Wars. I would say uh, Resident Evil, but the shooter generation of them. So like Resident Evil 4 onward, though I like the whole genre. I just particularly prefer those. I'm also a big fan of Dead Space. Digital card games, like uh, Eye of Judgment, and the Uncharted franchise. Big on the third-person shooter type stuff, I guess, for me. Nice. Let me tell you a tale of back in the day on a Wednesday. You know, I, I was self-admittedly the hick, grew up with no power for the first uh, good chunk of my life. And when I got introduced to the Nintendo, the NES, as it were, uh, was my good friend Ty. 
and he was a kid from the big city, Portland, you know, which was the biggest city in the entire state. And, uh, you know, he, he seemed to have it all, man. He had like every Transformer, every G.I. Joe, you name it. And he had the the nest with the, the little track pad that you would run on, the little buttons. I mean, he had everything. Uh, and, uh, you know, so my dad would work at the mill and he'd come back and we live way out in the mountains. And he came across a bike and he saw this bike every day for three weeks just sitting on the side of the road in a section where there is not a house for a good five, ten miles. And so he told me about it and he's like, you know, we're going to go get this bike. And so we go down and we get this bike and I end up, you know, it's like a brand new bike. Like it either fell out of a truck, somebody stole it. It had two flat tires and it had been just tossed off to the side. So I had this bike and my cousin needed a bike. So the plan was that we would sell my original Huffy bike and I would keep the new bike and I would use the proceeds to get myself the Ness. Well, I liked my Huffy bike, so I didn't want to do that. I just wanted to sell my new bike to my cousin. And so I start to do the negotiation and my uncle's like $50 and I'm all 49. And, you know, of course I got mocked to this day about the fact that I negotiated backwards, but I got the money and my dad met me and I was able to get that. I got the Nintendo and I went from there, you know, enjoyed those classic games did the Super Nintendo. I still, and I still have all these. Keep in mind, I have my NES, I have my Super Nintendo, I have two different Genesis's, uh, different models of, of the same thing there. Played a lot of NBA jams on that one. Uh, I've got the Nintendo 64, love the Bond game, uh, and Perfect Dark, absolutely still, Perfect Dark, I, I play that one a lot still to this day because of all the bots, and they're so fun, and you can make them so hard, and there's some really cool classic levels of Bond on there. Uh, and then, you know, I, I got the Wii action, I never went GameCube, uh, did get PlayStation 1, played a lot of, uh, Dune 2000 on that still, got a lot of different, most of my games though have been Star Wars, you know, I've, I've, just every Star Wars game out there, I pretty much tried to get. Uh, and then I, I went with the uh, the Wii when I went next generation, and I still kind of kick myself for that one. I I, I really wish I would have gone somewhere else. Uh, I had a PlayStation 2. I say had. I mean, I still have it. But most of the, my gaming systems, when it comes to the PlayStation 2, the Wii, and my Xbox, have all stopped playing most of my games due to disc read error. And it really just drives me nuts, you know. And I haven't got new editions of the systems because I'm of the old school belief that you buy a system, it should last. <laughs> you know, I, So I'm just mad at the company for selling me absolute junk product that, that couldn't last that long. Uh, but, you know, you mentioned Resident Evil. And, and for me, it will always be Resident Evil 2. Um, I remember playing that one and just being scared to death and uh, listening to the Bullworth soundtrack on repeat over and over again. And that got me through ghetto superstar, just uh, going through in the dark, being chased by that big, crazy uh, demon guy that if you played all the way through as the guy or the girl and you did it like in a certain time, I can't remember what it was, but then you played it again and the big monster dude would bust through a wall that he never did before. Oh my gosh, man, I thought I pissed my pants. You know, that, that, that game scared me so much at that time. Um, <laughs> you know, you mentioned the shooter games, Halo. I, I got into that a little bit, but that's always been hard for me. I never really had a good time with it. Battlefront has been my bread and butter. Battlefront 1, Battlefront 2. There are things about it like Battlefront 1. I like the fact that I can crouch down and play a sniper. I will go to Cloud City. Uh, you know, one of the ones where you can overlook and me and my son will take the hallway and we'll just sit up there and just snipe all day long, man. Just, I, I love it. And then with Battlefront 2, you know, we play certain levels and go out and do the space battles. It's just a lot of fun. I really enjoy doing those. Uh, when it came to the Wii, 
Uh, the Force Unleashed made owning the Wii worth it. I had a lot of fun with that game, and up until you know I, I played the Force Unleashed too, because that once I played that one and it updated. After that, uh, it, it's hardly ever played very many games. Like that was the last update that that went in. I don't know what happened or if it was dropped afterwards, but it was like after that one, I, I've really not been able to play much on the Wii, and it's just been a, a Netflix thing ever since. But, uh, you know, computer-wise, uh, I played the Xbox games, the TIE Fighter, Xbox, I say, X-Wing games, I have those, I have the uh, TIE Fighter games, some Rebel Assault, I, you know, my friend Ty that, that I mentioned that got me with the NES, he had the X-Wing games, in fact, I got those from him, uh, when I moved away, he let me take them with me, and uh, when I first played it, he was one of those kind of guys that he'd always have to show you, you know, he'd take the controllers from me and play it all for me, and I'd, I'd watch him play the levels because I had a problem jumping from one ledge to the other. Well, when it came to that game, the X-Wing, it was so complex, he was like, well, you'll never understand, it'll take forever, and I'm like, dude, you take care of the shields, the speed, and all that, I'll just tell you if I want to go faster, slow it down, I'll just do the shooting. Dude, man, that was the funnest game ever. Me and him had a blast. He was a great, great co-pilot. And that actually was probably one of my very first uh, dwelling and getting cosplay-like in Star Wars. I mean, that was my my bread and butter when it comes to experiences of, of getting in, you know, the feel of that game and the fact that you could just fly off in any direction forever. That was That was cool to me. You know, I never did really get heavily into the PC gaming. I mean, I had the X-Wing and TIE Fighter games. I had X-Wing versus TIE Fighter. But really, when it came to computer games, this is how long ago it was I was really tending to play computer games. Uh, the biggest one at the time were like the original Wolfenstein in 3D and Doom. Before that, I was playing like the LucasArts Adventure Collection, things like uh, Indiana Jones and The Last Crusade, uh, Maniac Mansion and such, uh, playing Space Quest Four. My first memories of, of computer gaming, though, my dad had those old... Uh, K-Pro computers. I mean, people like K-Pro? Like the syrup? No, K-Pro. It was this big box uh, about, gosh, probably two and a half feet wide, two and a half feet deep, maybe a foot tall or whatever, maybe just shy of a foot. And you unhooked the, the front of this box and it folded down and that was your keyboard. It had like two disk drives to run off of for the big black floppies. And the screen was this monochrome black background with green letters. And I would play, somebody had used a, it wasn't even GW Basic, or, or was it, was it, was that GW Basic? One of the v variants of Basic to program in, like, choose your own adventure games. Like, one was called, I think it was called Wampus or Wampum or something. And you were, nice. like, like fighting against some type of creature. You were making your way through a maze, but you had to remember, like, what rooms had you gone into? What room numbers? Because there was no map. It was just, you turn left, you turn right, you go into room this. Oh, you're dead! Now you're back at the beginning again. Uh, I just... My, I never really got heavily into the PC gaming. I mean, it's, the the fact that I, I put the Old Republic on my computer and played as far as I did up to probably like level 10 for the character is about as much PC gaming as I have done in decades, really. It just, it just never was my thing. I hate the idea that I've got to go out and buy a new computer or upgrade my computer every so often to be able to play a stinking video game. And if I buy one, who knows if it'll actually play for me. Give me a console where I know it'll play. Yeah, I have the same issue. Our next question. Is there any event in your time in Star Wars podcasting or fandom that you'd take back if you could? Uh, I, I guess I would almost say two. I would change my approach, I think, uh, when dealing with Alan Dean Foster. I think it was kind of a, a scarring moment in my psyche as a Star Wars interviewer. It'd be something I remember for years to come. 
just from the standpoint of, wow, okay, maybe I shouldn't try to be that cute with things. Um, we were interviewing him. I mentioned this on From the Star Wars Library a while back. We were interviewing him. It was me, uh, Ron and Janine Garner, and Rich Siegfried back when they were doing Requiem of the Outcast. We were at Con Carolinas 2004. We're in uh, Rich's room or the Garner's room, I forget. And we're all sitting around a table, and there's Alan Dean Foster sitting in there with us. This is when podcasting was new. He was probably thinking, why the heck am I in here with these people, and why are they recording me on a camcorder that's pointing towards someone's knees because they just want the audio? What is the deal with these people? And we're talking to him about, you know, the different aspects of things, about writing the A New Hope novelization, writing The Approaching Storm. He was real nice, signed all of our stuff. But I wind up asking him, what at that time, what was in fandom, the question and the inside joke about the original New Hope novelization that people use all the time. It was, what's a duck? Right? Because in, in Lucas, Luke had never seen, Luke himself, not Lucas, Luke had never seen a duck. Because, and so when Ben Kenobi makes a comment about uh, even a duck needs to learn how to swim or something like that, um, Luke is like, what's a duck? And it became this running gag in fandom. So while we're in there doing the interview, one of my questions I ask simply is kind of tongue-in-cheek, what's a duck? And he looked at me like I had lost my mind. He had no idea what the hell I was talking about. He had no idea what the fans were doing with that line out of his book. You would think he would have heard of it before in the whole what's a duck craze. But he surely hadn't. So no yeah, that was yub, huh? you know, no, no yub yub. So I was sitting here thinking, oh, okay. So I mean, that kind of took me back, and although it did make me a better researcher, I guess when it came to to questions, I got rid of the cute and went for the the harder hitting, more controversial stuff, I suppose. Uh, the other thing I would say is in fandom, and this has been probably prior to my podcasting, I suppose. It was back when I was doing the, just starting the timeline out. So we're talking late nineties. There was a an online community that we were all in called Discuss the Prequels on AOL. And, yeah, yeah back far enough that it was AOL. And, man, I mean, it, it just stratified. And I think I was a big part of that unfortunate stratification. There was these so-called venerable Jedi who were the ones who were uh, kind of the elites who treated everybody else like crap. Then you had other ones who kind of were trying to get initiated into that group. And there was another guy, uh, Dhorn123, I believe, was was his handle – who was just sort of like the constant thorn in the side. I almost wonder if the the troll that every time I try to start up something new on Facebook, some new uh, page for a podcast, or when I start up the new YouTube thing with from the Star Wars library, it's this guy that always shows up and has to start, start talking smack. Like when I think it was either on this show or on one of our discussions for Facebook, um, I mentioned the term parthenogenesis, which is essentially a scientific term for what amounts to a almost like the idea of a virgin birth type thing that happens in a certain insect colonies, and was using that as a phrase to refer to something we were talking about, the uh, the birth of Anakin Skywalker through the Force and whatever. I got this huge rant from his side, basically saying that I'm some kind of a twit, D-bag, etc., etc., because how dare I use a big highfalutin educational word um, and flaunt my education. I, I'm sorry. Uh, you shouldn't be edumacated, as if somehow being ha- having at least a vague education. Dumb it education. down, Butler. Dumb it down. Yeah, when did when did having educa- an education become a bad thing? Uh, you gotta talk to these kids in their level, and they don't know. Beep. <laughs> so I don't know, but um, it's the same guy that started out with the uh, on StarWars.com, the whole blowhole thing, uh, and it just kind of went from there. He got himself banned, and then he came back under another sock and got banned again. Uh, so I just tend to just block him from everything. But I, I, part of me wonders. 
wow, as my voice just jumped there, part of me wonders if maybe that's D-Horn123 resurrected as this other guy. I'm not going to say his name on the show because he hasn't pulled any of this crap in recent memory. If he does, then I always say I'll call him out by name now because, you know, I'm done trying to protect a troll who's being a troll um, from the ire of other listeners or ire of people on Facebook and such. He's kind of got to that point. Um, But it just, it makes me wonder. Or if perhaps this is karma and I'm getting this crap with this troll who seems unnaturally fixated with me because of stuff back then with D-Horn and, and, and the way that we handled things whenever we were, you know, late teens and thought we knew it all. You know, or, or, or I guess better, late teens and knew we knew it all until we eventually learned better. I'm going to tackle this one backwards. Uh, you know, I'm going to start with, is there any event in my time in fandom that I would take back if I could? And to which I am going to reply no. And mainly, my screen name, Illogical Rogue 2, is perfect for me. I mean, I, I'm, you know, th- th- like the show, you know, I, I'm the ponderer. I ponder about all sorts of weird crap. I mean, I will ponder situations that I don't even believe. I try to understand both sides of an issue. And sometimes that can really mess with what I truly believe because I will start looking and, and start to, you know, okay, I can see where they're coming from with this. And I can see what that side's coming from with that. And then suddenly it's like, well, I'm starting to, you know, relate to both sides so much. It's like, okay, well, I really don't even know where I stand anymore. And so when it comes to fandom, I, I just, I, I'm very reactory. Um, you know, when things happen, I, I jump into the moment and I have fun with it. I, I always talk about life as circles. Uh, and, and that's one of the circles for me. You know, we have some news. It's a huge reaction. Everybody reacts. The sky is falling, chicken little time. And then everything pans out. It's all fine. The world's well. And we go back and we look at the forums or wherever we had wrote something five years ago. And we go, oh my gosh, really? I was freaking out over this? Really? I mean, you know, it, it's fun for me. I, I I try to take it with a grain of salt. You know, fandom, I'm a fan of something that's larger than me. And, you know, I don't always understand everything. And what I've been reading, I've been basing assumptions off of. And that's part of why I got into the fandom community is because I was having assumptions. I want to know, were my assumptions off base or is that what I was reading? Or were I were I putting things into the words and coming up with my own conclusions that had absolutely nothing to do with the intent of the books? And that, to me, was was part of the experience. And so I think to regret it, you know, would, would be just a waste of my time. I mean, there are things in my childhood, you know, relationships in the past that I regret. You know, how I acted then, I regret. My reactions to things in Star Wars, I mean, I, I never went out and said, yeah, Lucas raped my childhood. No, but I did, yes, sign the petition of 2000 saying, hey, you know, try try to work with the Clone Wars. You know, I mean, it, it's just one of those things, you know, I, that I, that is what I did and that's where I went. But I don't really regret it. Um, Now, with podcasting, the Star Wars podcasting, is there anything I would take back? And interestingly... Both of them, I would say, are on EUCast from my days back when we did EUCast a lot. Um, and the first one was with Riley. When Riley and me, I was, uh, I think, May, it might have been 2009, could have been 2010 off the top of my head. I'm tr- I, I'd probably 2010. Uh, May came up. Nathan, you had been listening to an episode of us when we were live, and uh, Riley was on the show. And it was me and Riley at that time, I believe. And you had talked to Andrew and you're like, hey, who are these two guys? And, you know, they, they sound pretty good. And whatever you and Andrew had talked about had made Andrew get a hold of Austin, who was taking a time out, a little hiatus from the show because he had other things going on. And they let me and Riley run with the show for a good four, six months, uh, right up to about celebration or so. Uh, 
And that was when Riley launched uh, the Bothan Report, which I later joined, you know, before we became the Star Wars Report. And, you know, we ended up interviewing um, Alexander Baldassaroni. And he was one of the animators for the Deceived and, and those trailers. And we never were able to interview or uh, air our interview with him because of some of the questions that we asked him. And because of how we went about the interview, uh, he didn't have the right people there to direct his answers. And so he told us a lot of things flat out that he wasn't supposed to tell us. Things that we were like, woo! <laughs> and we're immediately tweeting some things and things of this nature. So we get it all edited and everything. And he, he calls us back. And very nice, very polite and explained the situation and how he didn't know he wasn't supposed to let this, that and the other thing out. And, and, and we couldn't air it. You know, we had to take the whole thing down all because of one of the questions that I had asked, which had to do with, you know, the fact that we love the animation so much and, and, you know, me and Riley were big fans of, man, we want to see this in a TV show. And that is as much as I am going to mention because I don't want them saying, take that off this episode. Uh, and, and that was a definite unique and eye opening experience because I didn't realize that they were supposed to have people in the room fielding the questions with them when they were asked some of these questions. I was like, Oh, really? And so that kind of actually it changed the way we, we went about our interview process and, and a lot of cool things like that. So I think that that would be my one case of, of take back with the show. The other one is kind of kind of how I ended up, uh, you know, in the show kind of doing its little hiatus that it did. Uh, you know, I, I had sent Austin an email, you know, basically saying, hey, you know, can I run with the show? You know, pretty much since I'd say about March. Of that from that year, I was doing all all the stuff. I mean, Austin would edit occasional episodes, but I got to the point where I was even doing that. I was posting them, doing the show notes. I was creating. I was coming up with the topics. Uh, I created a whole bunch of segments, things like that. And you know, I was like, hey, you know, is it is it okay if I just openly run with it, you know, and and do that? And you know, it was Austin's show, so I wanted to make sure that was cool before I did it 100 percent because I I had felt like I was already doing it, and so I'd I'd asked him, and he didn't really feel like he wanted to leave the show yet and so then we did a couple more episodes maybe four maybe five and it just it got really hard because his, his schedule was changing and so you know i had made a decision at that point that i would leave it all in his hands you know and you know things you know just we never were able to get together and record the episodes and eventually you know in the last two we had two this last year and i and that's the EU cast remixed, which I, I agreed I'd come back for because I have always really enjoyed that show. That show, you know, it's unique from every other show I've been on. And, and, and there was the first podcast star Wars wise that I was able to listen to that I enjoyed, you know? And so, you know, I, I say I would take it back in the aspect of, I, I hate the fact that that show has kind of died, but I also, I enjoy the fact that, you know, shows like this have launched out of my desperation to talk about Star Wars. So, you know, I mean, I got onto the Boston Report before we had left Solo Sound and, and did our own thing and we founded the Star Wars Report, you know, and, and luckily enough, I was, the, I was the one that suggested the Star Wars Report to kind of bridge the old and the new because Riley was big on, we got to have Star Wars in the title. I'm like, well, we're the Boston Report, let's just be the Star Wars Report. And so, yeah, it's one of those cool things that there was something good out of it, but, you know, I, I really enjoyed everything we were doing with EU cast. And I actually have people that I went to school with and stuff that still live in town that were fans of star Wars that knew me from that show, you know, that I'd see down at the comic book store and they'd ask me and stuff like that. And so, you know, I, I kind of feel like my asking that question in a lot of ways kind of, kind of killed the show. And then my decision to kind of just step back and do less and let Austin run it more and 
kind of having the feeling that it wasn't going to go on. I, I feel like I should have done more for the show, especially considering how much I loved it. So that would be my, my Star Wars podcasting I would take back. I, I wouldn't let EU cast kind of go on the hiatus it's been on for so long, if I could. All right, our next question is, how does your Star Wars hobby affect your personal life? Mark, you take this one first. Ooh, how does it affect me? I mean, well, it affects me in everything I do. I mean, from when I was working at Kodak, uh, you know, my, my performance evaluations, everything came up as Jedi, uh, Jedi Herlum. And I remember the first time my boss had the printout of it, her name was Heidi, and she's looking at this like, how did you do this? And I'm, and I don't know what she's talking about, you know, she's like, I thought she was going to tell me it was something to do with my job performance. <laughs> um, I come to work and I run the machine and she's like, how did you get Jedi on this? Like everything says Jedi Herleman on it. And I'm like, really? And I was like totally taken back because we got a new uh, digital MyHR thing and, and it had a little field for nickname. And I put in Jedi because literally that's what everyone called me because I always had a Star Wars book in my hand. You know, I was I was that guy. And everybody knew what I was reading unless you were new. And then it was the Mark indoctrination. What are you reading? Star Wars. Then a week later, what are you reading? Star Wars. Another week. What are you reading? Star Wars. You always read Star Wars. And then someone else, oh, you don't know this guy at all? That's all he ever reads. And, you know, it was one of those things. So I would get called on the intercom at work, you know, Jedi to the sheeter, Jedi to the slitter, things like that. Everybody knew me as Jedi. And so that's affected me. My, you know, I'm always, for a while I had t-shirts. I was always wearing a Star Wars t-shirt. You know, I was like, I was that guy. Uh, My son, I my son's going to be hosed. He's never going to be able to tell anybody when he watched the first Star Wars movie because he's been watching it since his first day on the earth. You know, same with my daughter. My kids are all named after Star Wars characters. Too. I mean, Taylor, Jade, Gavin, you know, we've got Jaina. I mean, <laughs> my dog's Chewy, which is actually Chewbacca. My dog before him, we called him Duke, but he was Dooku. Uh, and my other one is Ganner Rysode, which we just call him Ganner because I am just, I'm a nut. I, I just, I love everything about the universe and it's funny because you know me and Nathan were talking uh, about an episode that we want to do where we bring in our significant others and my wife has kind of developed the nut I am because I was kind of a closet Star Wars fan I mean there was a part of me that knew it was social suicide in my time in high school to be open about loving the stuff and then then of course you know 97 the year I graduated came out and boom it hit theaters and it was okay you could come out of the closet and it was I was like hey I'm a senior anyway I own the school nobody can say anything to me now so you know everything changed when I had met my wife I had an ex-girlfriend that had bought me the Thrawn trilogy she actually got me one of the books signed by Thrawn for my birthday I tried it was it was signed by Thrawn or signed by Zahn because yeah I always get those things backwards too I do all the time. Yes. Thrawn signed it as Zahn. <laughs> so, no, Zahn wrote it, you know, a quick little, hey, best wishes to Mark. I got it for my birthday and I never was able to, which I got that signed one in addition to the three books. So I got four of them. My, my Star Wars collection started with those four books. So I never opened the one aside from the look at the thing. And then I got into the books and I, I just, I, I was not big into reading. I, I, I was not big into it. It wasn't for a couple years later when I started working at Kodak, you know, and then I'd, I'd met my wife and, you know, she was, she knew I liked Star Wars, you know, I was big into the movies and stuff and I had those books, but that was it. And then, you know, she, another book, uh, or no, I, I grabbed those books and I actually read them again. And I was like, Hey, these are pretty good. And she was like, well, there's other books out there. You want me to go get you one? And I was like, sure, why not? And then she bought me one. And then for another birthday, she gave me another one. And 
Slowly, she started buying me enough that I, I couldn't put them down. By the time I got to I, Jedi, which is still one of my absolute favorite books, I, I was addicted. And it was like, okay, I want this one next and that one next. And I was on the big hunt. It was like trying to find the books like Galaxy of Fear, all the little rare little uh, the Jedi, uh, Jedi Prince series, you know, r- random stuff that had slipped by already. And as the new stuff was coming out, the new Jedi Order was just hitting. And I mean, as that book series came out, each book I would reread. Every single one. I mean, I, I had a job where I had that luxury of sitting on my butt. I was good at my job. And while the machine ran, I could do whatever I wanted in that time. And so I read. I read like nobody's business. And, you know, that that's where it all spun from, having a lot of time and, and, and growing to love the story, which made me love reading. And then I got to a point where, you know, I, I get caught up with the books and my friend would, you know, show me things from like Patricia Briggs, like Raven's Shadow, Raven's Strike or Dragon's Blood, Dragon's Bones. Uh, Kim Harrison's novels, you know, different things like that. I've read the Tolkien books. You know, my dad got me into that when I was a little kid, but I, I never wanted to go back. But after I started reading the Star Wars books, it got me passionate into reading again. And then I started getting those books. But now I'm at a spot where I there's just so much Star Wars that I just can't get enough. I, I've got books that I haven't even read. I'm just like, I wish I had more time in the day. I'm actually wishing they would cut back on how many stuff they put out so I could, you know, get ahead of this thing again. I mean, granted, it was only this year and hopefully I'll get ahead again. But it, it, it's 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 interesting, you know. I, I, I from being at that spot where I was always ahead to being behind. It's kind of it, it's relieving to know I've got material and I'm not going to worry about what next because I hated being in that spot where I'd start a book and I get like three chapters into like Serenity and then all of a sudden the next Star Wars book came out and I had to set that down and try to get back into that one. It's nice to actually be able to read like a, a series all together instead of one then wait a half half a year and another, wait a year, you know, and that. So it, it's interesting. It, it definitely affects my personal life because. I am Star Wars, so it's kind of hard to say where it ends and I begin because I'm into a lot of other things too, but Star Wars is my my number one. Yeah, I'm kind of the same way as far as, you know, I'm into a lot of stuff, but this is the the one that's the more all-encompassing thing. I'm somebody who doesn't like to just sit and do nothing. Like, I can sit and watch a movie or something, but generally I want to be doing something else. Even if it's just sitting there eating something uh, while I watch a movie, I, wanna, I, I need some other way to be active. So... You know, usually for me, stress relief is sitting down and doing something with Star Wars, creating a podcast, working on the timeline, whatever. I mean, productivity in something that I find as a hobby to me is what is the break from the productivity of work and grading papers and all those types of things. Um, From a personal life standpoint, I mean, it it has become my hobby of choice. It's a thing that uh, I do for leisure. Jody sometimes refers to it now as my second job. Uh, the Star Wars stuff in a lot of ways, uh, although it, I guess from time spent as opposed to the stress that it provides, it doesn't provide the same kind of stress that you get out of out of uh, work. I've always said, you know, if you're stressing out about fandom, you're doing it wrong. I, it, for me, it wasn't so much that it uh, it was something where my personal life and the relationships that I've had and the friends that I've had really uh, helped play into it so much as for a long time it was like I was a Star Wars fan. And there was all me and my friends and all that kind of stuff. And they, they never really connected all that much until, you know, eventually I moved down here. I moved to Georgia from Indiana in 2002 once I graduated from college. And around here, you know, I didn't know a lot of people to begin with. People tend to move back and forth a lot. And a lot of the people that I know now that I'm close to tend to be people that I work with, people at the school. And in that respect, you know, there are people who you know, maybe somewhat into these sorts of things and such. I mean, there's a, there's a, uh, a guy who also teaches world history, for instance, who's kind of into it and such. But from the mo- for the most part, I- I've been sort of encapsulated. 
know, my days are taken up a lot of times by work, especially the first few years I was here when I was grading until like one or two o'clock every single night. Um, now it's not quite that bad, but still my Saturdays and Sundays are basically lesson planning and grading and stuff like that. Except when I get a little bit of time to stop and do something else, you know, as a leisure type of activity. So I found that a lot of the people that I talk with the most and am closest to in some respects are people I've met through the Star Wars fandom community who I converse with online or by phone or in person when we have a chance to see each other at conventions and whatnot. Uh, so it's sort of, it's, it, it has, it hasn't defined my circumstances, but it has shifted my circumstances. It's almost like it's been sort of a coping mechanism as I became more isolated because of time constraints with things like, you know, work and all. Uh, it, the fandom community opened up you know, a, a way to still connect a lot more and, and to speak with people who have like minds. I mean, I think the podcasting thing, you know, me getting into podcasting thanks to Star Wars opened up a lot of doors, got me a chance to meet a lot of interesting people. It helped lead eventually to me being able to start writing, uh, to do some writing on Star Wars Tales, and then that jumped off to me being able to do some original stuff and the war stuff that I probably never would have had the chance to do if it hadn't been for doing the Star Wars podcasting or the Star Wars timeline project and such. Um, you know, it, it has opened doors, but for the most part, the one area it never really tended to affect as much was the relationships angle. Um, I've dated people before who were somewhat Star Wars fans, and dated people before who were supportive of my fandom efforts, but weren't really seeing the point of it all, weren't really into it, they just kind of saw, well, that's his hobby. You know, it's only now really with Jody, that it's someone who has also sort of seeped in that culture. I mean, her dad ran a comic shop for years and years and years and years, and she was into this type of stuff. And, you know, we've got sort of different angles on the geekdom culture thing, but we're both kind of playing into it. We both have our own uh, career paths that we're taking. We both have our own outside interests and stuff, but one of the places where we cross over is the, you know, the whole issue of, of fandom, sci-fi, and otherwise. And we can watch a lot of the same stuff and kind of commiserate over the Clone Wars and whatnot. So... I don't know. It's it's there is an effect, but it's it's like what you were saying. It, it defines me so much when I'm outside of work, and even sometimes inside. I mean, my students know I'm a big Star Wars fan. You know, we we talk about it from time to time. Um, I mean, I had a student who was wearing the cover of the Marvel story, uh, Dark Lord's Gambit, a while back, and we got into a conversation about the image on his T-shirt. Um, but it's something where I mean, it's hard to tell where. The fan me ends and the non-fan me begins because it is so heavily, heavily integrated. I mean, it is it's simply a big part of who I am and something that I'm comfortable with. I think there was a point at which for a while there, there was the, I was trying to downplay some of the geekdom stuff that I was doing. And now I mean, that was the same thing. You know, you, you go through school and, you know, if you're the really, really smart kid, I mean, I was a salutatorian at, at, in high school. Uh, summa cum laude in, in college and whatnot. You know, I was always like the geek smart guy. Um, that, that's out there for the troll, of course. I was always sort of the geek smart guy, and there are times when you sort of have to downplay it, pretend like you're not as educated as you are because you don't want to offend or whatever. I mean, I'm, I'm done with that. I'm done with hiding the geek. I'm done with hiding the intelligent stuff. Uh, and I'm done with hiding when I'm ignorant. If I don't know something, I'll tell you. Because I, I think I've gotten to the point where intellectual honesty to me is more important, and being genuine is more important to me than putting up a false perception for those whose opinions you really shouldn't give a crap about if they don't really want to know the real you anyway. Uh, sermon over, I suppose. Yeah, and in Star Wars, it's such a big thing, you know. I mean, 
you know, that's why I like being on this show with you. I mean, I, I feel like when I think back on books, sometimes I'm like, what in the heck happened in that book? I mean, I read that book like 12 times. Why don't I remember half the events? And then I could talk to you about it and you're just like, okay, there was this, that, this, that, maybe uh, this, that. And by the time you get to that, maybe I'm like, oh yeah. And then that, and then this, and then that. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. And I just have a lot of fun with that. I mean, there are times where I will look back on some of the events and books and totally like swap events with characters and, and be sitting there talking about something like that didn't happen. Wait, it didn't. <laughs> No, oh yeah, that's right. That was so and so, not so and so. Dang, you know, I mean, it's the nature of the beast. This is true. Guess that brings us to our next question, which is: Other than beyond the films, are there other podcasts or fandom projects that you're involved with these days? Ooh, well, as you know, I am on the Star Wars Report podcast. Uh, you know, when we were the Bothan Report, I joined it as the EU correspondent, and then we relaunched and rebranded as a website and podcast, which became a network, which now has Beyond the Films on it, as well as the Wampas Lair. Uh, you know, it, it's it's been a fun little ride doing that. Um, I On EUcast, it is in a weird kind of twice-a-year format, I guess. I'm not sure what's going on with there, but, you know, I'm still... In the camp, I'm still kind of doing that on occasion whenever the call goes out kind of thing. Uh, and then as for projects, you know, I've got the new little video thing that I'm going to be starting up that, that I'm not exactly sure what I'm going to do with it, but it's kind of like a, a showcase or I don't even know what I'm going to showcase with it. I'm just having fun with the technology right now. It's just kind of been fun playing with it, and that's been one of the things I've been doing. Um I like to do, uh, you know, some fan fiction type stuff on forums. You know, uh, EU Cantina's forums has some really cool stuff that I've done in the past that we're trying to get going again. Uh, there's been some audio books that I've done in the past, and there's one that was being worked on that kind of I, I haven't heard anything more, but it was a really big endeavor. The stuff was recorded, but there were some issues, and it may need to have some re-recordings done. But uh, it, it was interesting because my wife played some parts. Even my dad played some parts. So if that ever comes out, that will be really cool because I'm really excited about that project. But it's so hush-hush I can't talk about it because I don't know when the person that's editing it is going to get to it and get it finished. And so it's like I wouldn't want to get everyone's hope up for it because it's really exciting. At least I think it's exciting and then have find out that it's going to be three years because the person just – can't ever get to it. But if they do get it done anytime soon, I'll be excited to talk about it. And it makes me want to do more of those type of things. Uh, we did Rest Thou Softly, and, and I'm really proud of the way that turned out. You know, I think like the first 15 minutes was a little rough, but that was because in that one project, you can really tell how Riley figured out how to edit. Like, I mean, he was always really good at it. But when you listen to that episode, within the first 15 minutes, it definitely sounds more rough than the rest of the performance. And by the time it gets to the very end, it's like, yeah, yeah I mean, he had audacity figured out by that point. But you could tell that it was like a, a, a learning curve. He'd already started out with more skills than I had, you know, <laughs> but one of those things. And, and I, I edit our podcast and uh, luckily I don't edit the other one because uh, – you know, we do it live, but it's been a lot of fun. I, I don't do many other podcasts beyond that. I tried doing a zombie podcast once with uh, a good friend and, and that didn't pan out, although the timing was right. We just did just too many things going on. You know, with all, with all the kids I've got going on now, I have too many projects as it is just finding time. I mean, with with your schedule, Nathan, we're able to, to crank out like like tonight. We're recording a couple issues issues, we're recording a couple episodes back to back and it works out, you know, whereas other other podcasts, you know, doing every week, once a week, 
more than just one because I'm doing one pretty much every week with Star Wars Report. But when I had EU cast going weekly on top of that, it, it did get a little trying with the wife because she felt like she wasn't seeing me at all. So, you know, I, I don't think I would have much time for more than the, the few I'm doing at this moment. I've done a lot over the years. Uh, Chrono Radio was my first podcast. I've done quite a few since then, all the way up through the EU review right before this. Right now, I do the discussions on the Clone Wars. I'm part of a team, so I'm not on every episode. We kind of rotate in and out to about have about four people on each episode. But I'm part of a team for Republic Forces Radio Network over at republicforces.com. I also, uh, from time to time, will contribute to Star Wars Action News, uh, swactionnews.com. They're expanding the universe segment. And, of course, you know, we've got Star Wars Beyond the Films going on, but it said other than this. So, um, leaving this out, I do the Star Wars Timeline Gold still over at StarWarsFanWars.com slash Timeline. I still run FanWorks, uh, Star Wars FanWorks, StarWarsFanWars.com to be sort of a hub for Star Wars fan audio, though I don't update it as often as I would like. At this point, the timeline's really only being updated about once a year at this point, just because of all the, the time being taken up for other things. And, of course, I've got that video series going on. The, from the Star Wars library under uh, username Chrono Radio over on YouTube. I, I've got other videos that I've done, and I hope to do more of them, like maybe a, a, a live reenactment or whatever you want to call it of the X-Wing game. Heck, I may even, you know, with the X-Wing miniatures game, this may, that may even be up by the time you hear this episode, but still trying to figure out exactly how I'm going to do that. So those things, basically, mainly Republic Forces this and uh, the timeline and then that from the Star Wars library thing. But again, to me, I mean, you might say, well, that's a lot of stuff, and boy, does he spend a lot of time on this stuff. But remember, I mean, this is the way that I relax, so you know, to me, it doesn't feel like work, no matter how much it might be called the uh, uh, the second job and such. <laughs> Our next question, have you ever traveled at all? And if so, has any of it been related to Star Wars? Uh, for me, most of my travel has tended to be either family vacations when I was younger, uh, what was it called, uh... Was it Dixieland? No, it wasn't Dixieland. Uh, whatever the Nashville theme park. Opryland, that's what it was. Um, it's Opryland. Disneyland, Nathan. Uh, it's called Disneyland. No. Uh, Opryland, the Holiday World kind of stuff. Uh, St. Louis a couple of times. Um, a Renaissance Fair up in, in uh, I think it was Ohio, back whenever I was living in Indiana. Really, the, the big ones, the only one that really ties into Star Wars when it comes to family trips would be, I've gone to Disney World in Florida before, so of course I did the Star Tours thing over and over again. And otherwise... The main trips have tended to be just uh, Con Carolinas, uh, which I was doing from 2004 up until this last year. I had done all the Con Carolinas except for one over the span of that, you know, however many years that it was, um, eight years or whatever. And that's pretty much wrapping up at this point, I think I've mentioned. So, you know, that was somewhat related to Star Wars. You know, I go there, I, I'm on Star Wars panels and such. I was there to promote the different books and whatnot, also promoting when the Star Wars Tales story came out. I'm kind of like one of their Star Wars track guests, but usually I'm down there as either a writer guest or a fandom guest, as far as the way that they set up the slots for the guests. But uh, so I guess a little bit of travel, um, not really. I've never gone further west than St. Louis, um, never been outside of the country myself, So been, and you know, unless you want to count Con Carolinas as a Star Wars thing, I wouldn't say there's a whole lot of Star Wars to it. Although I do usually catch up with people who are from the Star Wars fan audio community while I'm there. Chris Walker, the Gilbertsons, uh, Joe Harrison and such. Ah, well, see, I, I've done a little traveling. Uh, my parents, they used to uh, do weekend drives and stuff. So, 
you know, been all around Oregon in one part or another. We moved to the southern end when I was in sixth grade. So we started doing the same thing at this end of the state, uh, traveling down into California and stuff. Uh, I've been up into Washington along the edge of the Oregon border and stuff. I don't, I don't recall getting too far. I know we went on, uh, like this whole volcano trip where we went up through Sisters and, and up through Mount Hood, went up to Mount St. Helens, which erupted on my very first birthday, which, you know, my Catholic grandparents said they arranged that for me, which I then pointed out, you know, people died. And that was a, a morbid joke from a four-year-old to his grandma. Uh, and uh, so, <laughs> so uh, you know, we did that. Uh, I've been over into Idaho just, you know, just on the edges of that. I uh, went down to Nevada and Reno. Uh, when I was younger, then again, when I was married with my wife, we went down to Vegas, uh, went through down into California down that way. Um, my wife, uh, took me to Disneyland, uh, during the year of celebration five and all intents and purposes. That's why I didn't get to go because we went there and that was in the end turned up to be my money to get to go to celebration five. But we didn't realize that because we had car issues and it was like, well, bam, it's gone. And so, you know, that was fun for me because I got to go down there. It was my first time. And I had a friend from high school, a good friend of mine, that she was right, uh, doing the Star Tours ride. She actually, that was her job. And so I was trying to get a hold of her, trying to hook up with her while I was down there. But, you know, she was either at lunch or we always, we just missed each other because I, I surprised her. You know, she didn't know I was coming down there. I called her up. Hey, I'm down here at Disneyland. You know, I want to see you. What's up? And at the very end, I was able to finally meet up with her. Unfortunately, my daughter had gotten sick over in Disney, California, and wasn't able to ride on the ride again. Me and my, we'd been on it all day, uh, trying to catch up with her. Every time we get over there, you know, I call her, I'm in the line again. She wasn't there or whatever. And so finally, the last one, I'm there. And this is the first time I've ever met my youngest brother and sister-in-law. Okay. Uh, first time ever meeting them. And we all go to Disneyland on the second day. And so I'm with them and my son and we get to go on there. She waits outside. She, you know, gets to talk to me and then she's like, well, I'm going to get to go in and I'm going to get to, you know, to dock your ship and get you guys all ready to go. Cause she's playing her part, you know, all in her tracksuit and everything. And she's all, and she gets us out of line. She steps us down to the far end. You know, they got the three loading bays back in the day before they re-upgraded them. I'm not exactly sure if it's the same, but they had the three bays. And at that time they had the two, the one when you first walked in in the center and the one down to the far left, those two were going and the one in the far right wasn't being used because they didn't have enough people coming through at that time. So she moved us down to that one. And she's like, you guys are going to ride on this one all by yourself. You guys are going to have the VIP tour. And she, you know, goes right and do her, her spiel and stuff. So we go inside, we all sit down, we get the front row, you know, the whole thing's all to ourselves. And she's going on, Jedi Herleman, your family's departure is going to, you know, doing all this stuff. Really cool. My son was just thought it was the coolest thing ever. My, my brother-in-law and sister-in-law thought it was really cool. You know, the, and, and it very much felt VIP. I felt like I had the, the red carpet rolled out for me, you know, and it was just the very end of the night. And I was really bummed my wife and my daughter weren't able to, to go on it, you know, and they missed out on it. But, you know, I'm, I'm looking to go back next year and enjoy the new Star Tours experience. Unfortunately, she's not working there anymore. She's moved on to other things down there. But she plans on giving me a nice little tour of the place and, and showing me some cool stuff. So it's going to be really cool. I'm really excited to do that. Um, and then when I was a senior, I uh, traveled to the Bahamas for my senior trip. So I got to go to Atlanta and Florida, stopping on the way there and back. Um, and then when I was a junior... We went down to San Francisco, when, uh, stayed in Oakland. I almost got to see Alcatraz. It was the year they were filming The Rock, so we didn't get to go do that. But I did get to watch them actually filming scenes of The Rock. Uh, down we went and saw, uh, uh, was it uh, Fisherman's Wharf and Pier 49, I think? It was Pier 39, something like that. Got to go down there and do that. But other than that, no, it's been mostly just staying in, in the state of Oregon. You know, we just... 
my my great grandpa moved over from the Appalachian Mountains, took the Oregon train or the wagon train, you know, rode over here and my family's been born and dying in this state ever since. So, <laughs> and nice. then as as to the Star Wars aspect of it, the, the closest I've gotten to traveling there is I went up to the the north end once I moved down here to go see a robot convention. Um, and and that's about it. Uh, I was invited to go up and march in the Rose Bowl or not Rose Bowl, but the Rose Parade with the 501st. But unfortunately, the guy that was going to hook me up with it, his uniform, my feet were just way too big. I was I was much bigger than him, so it wasn't going to work out. But uh, otherwise, Star Wars, I haven't had a chance to get to go and do anything super duper cool. All right, the next question, and we'll have to, I guess, start answering a little more quickly because we're running a little bit low on time. We've only got a couple more left, though. Are your family members, kids, spouse, whatever, also Star Wars fans? Ooh, with me, my wife is sort of. She loves uh, Jason Solo and Mara Jade, and so you can understand why Legacy is a series that she absolutely can't stand, especially considering those two books were the first books I ever got her to read. Uh, when she read Invincible, she had nightmares for over a month about Jason dying. So yeah, I kind of totally blew that. She'll never pick up another Star Wars book again, but she is a fan. She is a fan of the dark side. She's... Uh, She's kind of goth in that respect. Uh, my son, he's a hundred percent just like his dad, totally hooked. My daughter Taylor, she's she likes it. She tolerates it some days, but she likes it. She wishes there was more stuff. And and I I watched as she was growing up when we lost her. You know, it was like when we got into the Galactic Hero toys. You know, and there was like maybe one girl for every twenty of the boy ones. It quickly became obvious to her that Star Wars wasn't for girls. And that was at the same time they had the May the Force Be With Katie thing because my daughter was the same age and was getting the same stuff. And it, it really, really hit home for me because it, it sucks to see someone come to the conclusion that this isn't for me all because of marketing. For me, I mean, my family is, I mean, they know about Star Wars to a degree. Um, aside from Jody, though, uh, not a lot of, of diehard Star Wars fans within the family, just people who kind of, like the movies when they saw them, never really got into it huge otherwise, although there are some some signs that perhaps we'll be seeing that with my nephews, Ethan and Aiden, in the future, hopefully. Um, but I, I don't live close enough to indoctrinate them into the wars. I will say, though, that my mom is a fan of the films, particularly the classic trilogy. Um, she took me to see The Empire Strikes Back when I was a baby, which would have ticked me off if I was another audience member. I was taken to see... Return of the Jedi several times when I was very, very young. I was born in 79, so I was like, what, three, four or so. Uh, to go see that when I was young, have vague memories of that. And I was very happy later on when The Phantom Menace came out, I believe it was, that among my many, 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 many viewings of that film within the first 24 hours that it was out, one of the time I went and took my mom to see The Phantom Menace just like she took me to see the Star Wars films when I was younger. So I got a chance to have that sort of a, a turnabout nice. type thing going on. Right, It's right around uh, the end of my first year of, of college, so I was still in Evansville, Indiana at the time. And on the baby thing, you know, I, I took Jaina to go see Avengers as, as a newborn. You know, you probably slept right through it. Next question, going down to only two left as we are zipping along. Uh, have you two ever met in person, or have you ever met anyone else you've done podcasting with in person? Well, no, we haven't met yet. Uh, not in person. Uh, the only podcasting people I have met is Riley and Bethany, and that was just this year. Uh, they happened to be going up to McVinville, the uh, town I was born in here in Oregon, and we were. It was around Fourth of July. We were going up to go see my family to, you know, show my dad's side of the family 
Jaina, the Herleman side, they were going to get to meet her and as well as my mom's mother, uh, she was going to get to meet her. And so we did that. And then on our way out, we went to see my friend John that lived up in Portland and went, tried to see as many of my other friends that were up in Portland. I, I've got actually more friends in Portland now than ever before. And so, you know, we were up there and while they flew in, we stopped in real quick at the airport, saw them when they were doing their layover before they got picked up by the, uh, Civil Air Patrol and became government property again and uh, were taken over to Mac and it was pretty cool, you know, it was it was really nice. It would have been cooler if we would have been able to do like a show or something like that, you know, impromptu right there on the spot, but you know, we had limited time, but it was really cool to be able to get some pictures and actually get to interact and that was really, really cool for me. It was right before celebration, so it was like, I felt like I had to ha- a little bit of fan interaction with, with my fellow cohorts because, you know, like you had mentioned a, a couple questions back, you know, we interact with each other, you know, me and you and, and me and Riley and them and stuff with all, all these people in the fan community. I talk to about Star Wars more than I do anybody in real life aside from my wife uh, and my son, you know, in my immediate family. And so, you know, getting to meet you guys in the flesh is really cool because, you know, you, you feel like you know these people and to be able to to say I physically met these people because, you know, my, my mom and my sister kind of take it with a grain of salt. You know, they they understand it's my thing, but they, they sometimes are like, you, you know, are you ever just going to get over this thing? And yeah, well, as Mark said, we have not ever met in person. I haven't even met Bethany and Riley, and they live close to here. Uh, we, we still haven't had a chance to set up a time to kind of catch up and do something. Uh, things are just going too crazy on both sides schedule-wise. I have had a chance to meet people I've done Star Wars podcasts or Star Wars fan audio drama type stuff with. I'm sure I'm going to leave people out of this list. Um, but uh, Michael Smith from the UK when he came in for Dragon Con, uh, trying to think of like chronological uh Krista Colazar, Amy Farrell, Chris Walker, some of the people behind Rise of Nobility all kind of at once. The uh Gilbertsons, Andrew Gilbertson and Sarah Gilbertson, Joe Harrison, uh Ron and Janine Garner and Rich Sigfrid, I mean quite a few. Um but of the people that I've actually done regular podcasts with as opposed to just being people in the community that I know, I've met Dan, Arnie, and Marjorie from Venganza, as far as uh, like Republic Forces Radio Network and uh, Star Wars Action News segments and stuff go. I have met no one from this show, of course, as far as like regular, because that'd be Mark. Uh, didn't meet Andrew ever in person from the EU Review. And uh, I, I guess the one cheat is that of the people on that have been on this show as a guest on Star Wars Beyond the Films as guests, uh, I've met Kelly, but Kelly and I knew each other prior to me bringing her in to do anything for any of the podcasts, so I don't really count that as uh, as the same type of thing. If that's the case, then there are some other people uh, that I knew in real life before that took part in Second Strike back in the day 10 years ago. I had, I had known Amy Farrell a little bit before and uh, Kate Singleton, uh, who were involved in that, because it was very hard at the time to cast female voices from the fan community, so I had to go with people that I, I knew and try to see if they wanted to be involved at the time. So actually, not all that many. I mean, of all the people I've had a chance to interact with in the fan audio community and the fandom community, uh, most I have never met and may never meet. But that's what social media apparently is for. Which I guess brings us to the last question, which is kind of fitting to be our last question. What are your goals for Star Wars Beyond the Films as we move into 2013? Well, I would say one of our first things, we're going to do a looking forward episode. Uh, we will be talking about scoundrels at some point. Uh, I know, I know this last year, you know, we started out doing a lot more ponders and then kind of got more into book reviews. Um, we're going to be balancing that a little more this year. 
where we slip in a little more relevant ponders into the topics. I mean, I, I noticed toward the end where we started doing more, you know, theme blocks. And I like that. I, I, I At least, you know, the feedback we've been getting, it seems like you guys like that too. Uh, it definitely makes the topics kind of seem like even though we run out of time in our hour that we're able to make it a longer topic by continuing on a little bit more into the next one with the relevance of this, that, and the other thing. Uh, we, we've been talking about possibly kind of changing out the way we uh, do the hosting of the show, um, things like that, possibly having our significant others on. There's quite a few different things. Maybe even have some theme music edition, uh, you know, change up our theme songs a little bit. I don't know. I, I'm kind of particular to it. I like it. It's nice and short and sweet. But that's again, gets back to why we love your feedback. You know, let us know what you like and that helps us inform us and, and we make our decisions and we go from there. Well, you know, this has been uh, an interesting year, I must say. I mean, uh, from the practical side of things, I am so glad that I'm not editing a podcast regularly anymore. That was part of why I signed on to do one show that d didn't quite work out that way, and, and now I'm not editing this all the time. Uh, I like the fact that we stick to the hours so that can be on Middle Earth Network Radio. It also makes us have to focus on the topic, I think. Honestly, I would agree with, and I'm sorry, whoever it is out there who said this, I forget who it was because it was said quite a while back, that of all my podcasts that I've done over the years... The most fondly remembered has been Chrono Radio, but that this show is the best since then, and it's perhaps the closest thing to a second coming of Chrono Radio as I've ever been involved with. Which is funny, considering the fact that I did some Chrono Radio Series 2 episodes as part of the But Learniverse, but they never really had that feel. Um, this is probably the podcast I've had the most fun doing, and since the second most fun I've had with doing a podcast uh, with others has been Republic Forces Radio Network, I'm having a lot of fun right now when it comes to podcasting. There's no downside to all of this that's going on. Uh, what I want to see coming up, more of the same. I mean, I'm, I'm having enough fun that I'm sort of open to just about anything at this point, as long as it's good, as long as it turns out well and it's stuff that, uh, that people out there are enjoying. Because for me, this is just a... A fun thing. I mean, you, Mark mentioned how we're recording multiple episodes. Understand that we just sat down tonight and recorded four episodes back to back. It is 11.16 when I am saying this, and we started recording at 7 o'clock. Granted, that's <laughs> Eastern Boom! time. And yet, I'm not sick of it. You know, if it wasn't for the fact that I need to eat something, uh, and that we each have other things that we need to be doing, you know, we could continue going on like this. I mean, it's just kind of uh, the nature of the beast here, so... I mean, I, I, I'd love to say that there are these positive changes that I would say let's make, but I'm not seeing the downsides yet, so I'm not sure what changes could make it something more amusing, more of a fun uh, use of time than it is. He says in an almost mushy sort of way without going mushy. <laughs> we, we have a little list of topics, you know, we go over them, and, and I'll be like throwing one out to Nathan, and yeah, yeah, we could do that one. I don't know if that one would be long enough for an episode. I, I, I've talked to my wife, you know, I'm like, well, I suggest this one. Nathan doesn't think it's going to be that long. Obviously, it underestimates the power of my babble. <laughs> and there been some where we start, we sit down, and you're like, like I, I don't know if this one's going to be very long. And it's like, we're pushing, like, almost going over the hour. <laughs> well, it's like, it's like this episode. Well, we're not sure if we could fit all these questions into an hour. Maybe we should attach it to the end of some other discussion. Yeah, that, that didn't happen. Yeah, yeah, the episode before that where we thought, yeah, it was going to be short enough. It went all the way to the end of the hour, too. It's like, ah, ha, ha, couple of windbags. And that brings us somewhat full circle here, folks. Uh, as mentioned, we are kind of running out of time. Thank you very much uh, for the questions along the way. Uh, send them on. Send them on. Remember, you can interact with us, of course, through our Facebook page, facebook.com slash SWBeyondFilms, on Twitter at SWBeyondFilms, or you can email us at... 
SWBeyondFilms at StarWarsFanWorks.com. You can, of course, hear us through iTunes, Zoom Marketplace, StarWarsReport.com, and other places like Middle Earth Network Radio. We are all over the place. Thank you very much for listening to this episode. Hope the year has been good to you so far, and uh, hope next year will be good to you as well. So, for now, for Star Wars Beyond the Films, this has been Nathan Butler. And Mark and Whistler. Thank you for listening, and may the Force be with you. And don't quote us the odds. That Mark will be able to get this down to under an hour. Ooh, that could be a challenge. Challenge accepted. Challenge accepted.